You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, January 31st. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Non-resident deer hunters will be limited to two bucks in one of the most prolific units in southeast Alaska, the Board of Game decided last week. The decision came a day after the board had declined to reduce the sport bag limit from six to four deer in the same region. KCAW's Robert Woolsey reports. The state has made it clear there is not a problem with the deer population in Game Management Unit 4. Rather, there is a people problem. Jake Fletcher is a board member from Talkeetna who brought Proposal 10 back for reconsideration on Monday, January 23rd, just a day after the Board of Game had unanimously voted to keep the sport bag limit at six deer for hunters on Admiralty, Baranoff, and Chichikov Islands, the so-called ABC Islands. Um, as the department stated earlier, you know, there's, there's not, a, not a biological concern on overharvest of this population, but um, I think that it's going to reduce user <coughs> conflict. I think that under certain weather conditions, certain bays get incredibly crowded. Uh, maybe a, uh, uh, non-residents coming into conflict with, with residents, and I think that, that this really addresses that problem. Sitka, Angoon, and Huna are the largest communities in the ABC Islands, but hunters from Juneau can make it down by boat or float plane if the weather is good. While there are special harvest restrictions around Huna, which has a developed road system, the remainder of Unit 4, with thousands of miles of forest and shoreline, is available for any sport hunter hoping to fill six tags. Unit 4 is not being overrun by out-of-state hunters. As ADF&G biologist Steve Bethune puts it, non-resident hunting on the ABC Islands is adjunct to resident hunting, or to guided hunts for brown bear. There's not a whole lot of non-resident deer hunters in Unit 4, uh, and very few that are very few that are guided. I would say there, there are very few guides that take deer hunters specifically. It's usually an add-on to a, a fall brown bear hunt. Uh, certainly there are a few deer hunters, but uh, uh, generally it's an add-on. And I think we talked about earlier how uh, most of the non-resident hunters in Unit 4 are friends and family of people who live uh, in Unit 4 and are, are just coming up. So they're probably staying uh, with their friends and family or they're staying on uh, most of the guided hunts or, or large boat-based hunts, and so they're staying uh, on, the, on those vessels. Just the day before, the Board of Game had voted down Proposal 10, which would have cut the sport bag limit for deer on the ABC Islands from 6 to 4. A second similar proposal was withdrawn by its author. Both proposers are active sport hunters in the area, concerned that although the deer population was abundant at the moment, a heavy winter or two could easily change that. Resurrecting Proposal 10 and substituting a two-buck limit for non-residents in place of the overall bag limit reduction, seemed like a nod toward compromise, especially for subsistence hunters in Huna, who feel the most pressure from out-of-town sport hunters. The board took the additional step of lowering the non-resident limit in the Huna controlled use area as well. Board Chair Jerry Burnett thought this was a reasonable approach. We heard from the department that this would make it uniform across the entire unit, for the non-residents. Makes sense. On reconsideration, the State Board of Game unanimously adopted an amended version of Proposal 10, which now limits the harvest of black-tailed deer by non-residents to two bucks in Unit 4. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. After two weeks of staying at the dock in protest, Kodiak's Tanner Crab Fleet is finally going fishing. 
Crabbers agreed to a price with the island's processors on Saturday. KMXT's Kirsten Dobroth reports. Each of Kodiak's four canneries offered slightly different deals. Alaska Pacific Seafoods agreed to $3.35 per pound plus a retro payment, which can boost the final payout to fishermen after the season. Pacific Seafood offered something similar. OBI came up to $3.25 per pound plus a profit-sharing agreement. Trident Seafood stayed at a flat rate of $3.25 per pound. It wasn't exactly the deal Kodiak crabbers were hoping for, but ultimately, 80% of those in attendance at Saturday's meeting agreed. It was time to go fishing. Kevin Abina is the secretary and treasurer for the Kodiak Crab Alliance Cooperative, which represents the fisheries permit holders. We stuck together. We're going to roll this thing out together, and uh, we're looking at it as as a victory. Crabbers were initially offered $2.50 per pound ahead of the season. And at one point, nearly 200 vessels up and down the Aleutian chain said they weren't going fishing unless they were offered a better price. Crabbers in Chignik and the South Peninsula started fishing last week after coming to an agreement with canneries in King Cove. But as of Friday, 130 vessels from Kodiak still weren't fishing. Alaska's Department of Fish and Game also confirmed it hadn't received any harvest reports or landings in that time. It's important for these processors to know that we can stick together and um, and organize and, and get a more fair deal. With a deal in place, crabbers set their gear at noon on Monday for the start of Kodiak's tanner crab season. And fishing can go fast in Kodiak's tanner crab fishery. Last year, the fishery closed after just about a week. This year's quota is much larger. Abina says they're expecting a bottleneck at local canneries, and some vessels might be stuck waiting to unload their harvest. But despite all that, he says the fleet is more than ready. For a fisherman, he's worried about when he's going fishing and how long he's going to be out fishing. Now we have the first piece of that puzzle. We have have the when we're leaving, and, uh, and that's huge. Abina is also the skipper of the fishing vessel Big Blue. Ahead of Monday's opener, he said that after the last two weeks, he expected to feel a sense of relief when he pulled out of the harbor. In Kodiak, I'm Kirsten Dobrath. Stedman Elementary School in Petersburg is teaching kids about how to save for long-term rewards in the classroom. Kids can earn stickers or fake money, which they can spend on different prizes. One of the big-ticket popular items is a tea party with their principal, Heather Kahn. KFSK's Rachel Cassandra joined a Principal Con tea party and has more about what kids are learning by saving up. Principal Heather Kahn is setting up her tea table during lunchtime. Her office is decorated with notes and drawings from students. She puts out thin bone china cups and a teapot. She's serving hot chocolate today with heaps of marshmallows because she says that's what kids actually want at a tea party. Two first graders come in, Gavin and Rory, toting lunch boxes. Excellent. What do we got in our lunches today? They sit down in the kid-sized chairs. They got hot chocolate, but Con pours herself an elderberry tea to boost her immune system during there flu season. Don't forget to put some marshmallows in there. In first grade, the classrooms use stickers as rewards. Gavin and Rory had to save up for this tea party. But how do you get a sticker? By doing a good choice or being good. What was something that you did? I did the lessons quickly. Ooh, so he followed directions quickly. That's one of the golden rules of the classrooms, huh? Mm-hmm. Follow directions. Mary Midkiff teaches third grade at the elementary school. She uses laminated paper coins in her classroom. I tend to pass it out if they're following directions, if they're ready on time, if they take a risk, if they try something new, if they bring their homework in. 
Mikiv has heard from families that kids are excited about saving up their pretend money. Every time the parent was like, oh, I've heard all about it. They've been talking nonstop. They can't wait. And so that's always really positive. You figure when they're going home excited about it, you're doing something right. Some parents have asked her whether the money system is too much like bribery. But Mikiv says it might be good training for their futures. It's sort of how the adult world works. Like, we do things we enjoy, but we also get a reward for them. We get paid for our jobs, you know, that sort of thing. The kids also develop different styles of saving and spending and learn from each other. Sometimes you get a child who just wants to save it up all year, and then the last week of school they're like, how many things can I buy this week? Becky Martin is also a third grade teacher at Stedman Elementary. She was the first to come up with the idea. What gave me the idea is I watched a little boy counting his stickers one day, and I thought, you know, he's spending a lot of time counting stickers. I wonder if I can turn this into a more academic endeavor. So she decided to try using fake money as a reward system. With that same student, Martin saw that there was a lot kids could learn about real currency, not just using stickers or points. When I first used the coins, I traded him five pennies for a nickel, and he got quite upset. And I realized he doesn't realize that the five pennies do equal the one nickel. The older classrooms use play money with real denominations. Kids trade in five pennies for a nickel, two nickels for a dime, and so on. Midkiff turned this task into a job for her classroom. A couple kids, it's their job to be the bankers. It does rotate, and I actually pay them for their classroom jobs, so they get a quarter at the end of the cycle, and then they can apply for another classroom job, so that's another way that they earn money. Kids save up until they get the ultimate jackpot, a photocopied dollar bill. They can pick from small toy animals to keep at their desk or food-shaped erasers, but Martin says objects aren't the most sought-after rewards. Although a few go into the treasure chest and get an object, The really popular ones are having tea with Mrs. Khan, helping in the library, having a special privilege. Some other special privileges are sitting in a spinny chair during class or bringing your pet to visit the class. Back in her office, Principal Khan starts to wrap up the tea party. But but I only spill a little bit on the plate. The plate's great to spill on. All right, see you later. Bye. In their classrooms, Rory and Gavin can earn more stickers to save up for their next tea party. In Petersburg, I'm Rachel Cassandra. Taking a look at the community calendar. American Legion Services Officer Phil Templin makes an outreach visit at Sitka Job Center from 2 to 4.30 and at the American Legion Post from 6 to 8 p.m. today to provide assistance with veteran disability benefits to all qualified veterans. For more information, you can call 907-747-6921. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.